Hey Sands fan, here Ricky Rubio's has signed a contract. Really excited to join the team and uh, see you all guys next year. Uh, can't wait to get started. Hello and welcome everyone to the first ever episode of the It's Not Always Sunny podcast where we talk basketball and the Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Rodolfo Leveriza, and today I am joined by my co-host, Matt Scheller. How are you doing today? Doing well. Living life. <laughs> I love that. All right. First things first, Valley Boys are back, baby. Let's go. Kelly Oubre, of course, signing a two-year $30 million contract with the first year being $15.7 million and the second being $14.3. He's only 25 years old, played about 40 games for us last year, um, averaging 17 points, five rebounds, 1.6 assists. Matt, what do you think about this signing? You know, of course, I love it. I think uh, the Suns fans are very happy with it. It was something we kind of expected that was going to happen. But, of course, coming off a career, um, like, I guess, part, part of a season, half of a season that we had him for last year, um, I think he shows a lot of promise on the wing. I think he's someone that can really help the team moving forward. And most especially, I think a lot of people liked him just because of the um, almost swagger he brought to the team um, with the whole Valley Boys. I think he was exciting for the culture of Phoenix. Um, and I really like the contract, too. A lot of people, of course, some people wanted more years. Some people thought it was too much money. But I think overall, it was a good compromise by both sides. Um, because in a way, uh, two years is going to allow Kelly to prove himself uh, both to the Suns and to the market that he's worthy of more money, um, especially because he'll be coming uh, out of this contract at around 25. Um, and in addition, the Suns just kind of maintain the flexibility that they'll have in two years. Of course, it'll be a pretty stacked uh, free agency class as well. So hopefully um, we'll have some flexibility going forward as well. So I really like it. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we had the tweet from Gambo earlier today saying Kelly Oubre's goal is to be Phoenix, a cornerstone of the Phoenix Suns franchise. He loves and embraces the city and the team, and he wants to be in Phoenix. Um, his priority was to stay here. He has every indication to grow as a player and sign a long-term deal with the Suns in the, after the two-year contract is over. So, I mean, just the culture of the Valley Boys, obviously, that's that's the kind of the swagger he brings the team. And I think him kind of joining the team kind of just like shifted the culture in a way where we're like you know maybe we can actually start winning games maybe like we, something to be optimistic about right um it's been it's been a right. dark couple of years <laughs> right about, absolutely yeah no yeah. i think um that's exactly right and i think one of the things um uh, that the suns have struggled with among the myriad of things that we've struggled with in the past several years um is uh because of the factors of us not doing as well as we've hoped um, possibly not having the best relationship with the front office is just sometimes we've run into like uh, Eric Bledsoe where uh, they just don't want to be here. And I think a lot of the teams have run into this issue with some players um, in that they truly just don't want to be here. I think we also saw that, of course, with Trevor Ariza last year. Of course, I don't know if he had as public of a statement as Bledsoe, um, <laughs> but I'd say that it just was kind of evident in his play that Phoenix was not where he felt like he was at home, probably not where he wanted to play and probably was definitely not bringing that enthusiasm of winning and playing well to the court. Um, so I really think that um, Kelly is someone that wants to be here, that's positive for the environment. And for that reason alone, I think he's worth um, the $15 million. I think we were expecting to pay him probably around 12 to $14 million, or at least that was the common knowledge. And I think um, paying just a million more um, from that, like, 
higher end of the range is perfectly fine in my mind for something that we really are a fan of and who actually really wants to be here and wants to be a part of our young core. So I really like it. Right. And definitely, I mean, we have Devin Booker, DeAndre in um, new signing with Ricky Rubio, of course. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. But yeah, I don't know. Obviously, there's some there's some people out there not so high on the signs, but I just taking it one step at a time, just kind of just establishing this culture, I think is a really big, you know, move in the future, like a big step in the future. Um, right. Because, and and yeah. and we're seeing that a lot in this off season, right? I I think um, we're moving away from the McDonough area, uh, the McDonough era, uh, rather, um, in that we are not only moving literally away from a lot of the picks and a lot of the players in the McDonough era and only uh, keeping the select few um, in addition to um, adding other players. But I think that uh, the James Jones in this new front office um, is largely uh, just looks completely different. I think we see that in a lot of the um, signings in the offseason. I think we're no longer going for just uh, potential um, in a lot of young guys that uh, just didn't pan out and rather are going for more experienced guys guys that have, are more proven and you even see that in our draft picks right and someone like a Ty Jerome and someone like a Cameron Johnson they're both pe- both people who are a little older um than what we've been usually drafting in the you know really young range um and they ha- they bring that experience that'll hopefully uh help the team right away I guess is 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 what I want to say for the offseason yeah definitely so um speaking starting lineup and depth chart um you want to just kind of list that out for us? Sure. So, uh, of course, uh, things are changing. There may be a couple holes in this, but for the most part, now we have a starting uh, point guard in Rubio, um, backup being Tyler Johnson, uh, Elliot Cobo, potentially, uh, potentially Ty Jerome. And we, of course, uh, got Javon Carter from this most recent trade. Um, at shooting guard, we have Devin Booker. Uh, potentially minutes can be played backup from Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. Who knows how that'll be played um, coming forward with uh, Money Williams, but at small forward we have uh, Kelly Oubre, um, like I said, Mikhail, possibly Cameron um, can play that three slot depending on how they feel about his defensive ability. And then we also have power forwards, both new additions. We have Dario Saric and Frank Kaminsky, um, both recently acquired, as well as in the center position we have, of course, DeAndre Ayton and picking up the backup center in. Uh, Aaron Baines from the Boston Celtics. So overall, I think that, um, especially uh, compared to where we started off last year, I think that we're looking pretty good, uh, in my personal opinion. I I don't think uh, good meaning better than last season, right? Right, I Um, mean... I think that the hope hope is that we can progress from a 19-1 season. Yeah, you can't do much worse. (laughs) Right, exactly. So I think that we addressed a lot of major needs in picking up, specifically uh, picking up Rubio, um, picking up a power forward that can actually at least is starting caliber and Darius. I mean, we'll definitely see how that pans out. Uh, and right. someone like Frank Kaminsky, who um, at a minimum will be a decent backup power forward. He hasn't proven that he's anywhere near star in the league. Um, and I don't know if he's lived up to um, uh, what he, what we were thinking about him coming out of the draft several years ago. But I think that it's someone that can at least be NBA caliber. And I think that was a big thing this offseason, specifically yeah. with Rubio. A lot of people as well. I mean, a lot of people had doubts and still continue to have doubts uh, about Rubio. Did we overpay him? Um, you know, whatnot. But I think that overall, um, Rubio is someone that can, at a minimum, be a very solid starting point guard for us. 
He's what we've wanted for um, several years now in someone that can um, facilitate, can pass, um, can set up someone like Devin Booker so Devin Booker doesn't have to be the primary ball handler. Um, And I think he's really going to uh, get DeAndre Ayton also um, in the mix with his passes down low, hopefully, um, with just facilitating offense for him as well, which I think will be really important. Yeah, I mean, very respectable player in, in Ricky Rubio. Um, seems like he was really excited to join the Suns. I know there's a lot of rumors before that he would be joining the Pacers, but then, you know, Malcolm Brogdon happened or something like that. But no, I, he seems really excited to be a San, Phoenix San. Um, but yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, right. Uh, yeah. Ready to run the offense, um, play some defense, just get those guys open. I mean, I think that's the main focus. We really need him. I mean, if you can hit that, that J, obviously. That would be perfect if just to step into the shot. But, like, I think the main focus that we really wanted was to have a veteran leadership in Ricky Rubio um, kind of lead the team and lead the offense of just, like, getting Devin Booker his shots and DeAndre Ayton just kind of just eating the post. Um, right. And, and yeah. Rubio, yeah, like you were saying, Rubio is someone that, um, of course, one of the major complaints and one of the major concerns is his shooting. I think it's something that um, he's shown um, in – uh, his past teams, uh, you know, at, at Utah last year and Minnesota that he's not the best at. He's not elite at by any means. Um, but I think that's something that he can continue to improve on, of course. I mean, it's something that people say all the time. Hopefully he can improve. But I would say that he would have a successful season with the Suns, even if he doesn't improve um, almost in any way in his shooting, um, at least, you know, semi-successful. But, uh, right. of course, that would be great if he can start hitting his shots, shots that he wants to take. Um, rather than, uh, you know, um, taking four shots or anything. I think that Rubio does have that um, potential. But I think one of the things about Rubio that I really liked is that he, he is not too old as a, as a player, but at the same time, he has a lot of experience, even at a professional level. Um, and in teams similar to the Suns, I mean, if he, he didn't, he's not coming off of a career season, but at the same time, uh, he had success in the system that included um, – uh, Rudy Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell, who right. in a way are not mere images by any means of eight, but definitely have and, some and, similarities. In the right. Games. And, yeah. and Booker. Exactly. So I think that he he's proven that he can um, play with that. I think he's proven that he can help run that offense. And I think that especially with Monty, Monty Williams coming in, running uh, new offensive and defensive schemes, that he's going to be definitely effective. Yeah, I mean, and kind of just like takes the, a lot of pressure off of those guys, of those young guys, you know. Not needing to make their own shots. I mean, we have what Cameron Johnson, who's probably regarded as like one of the better shooters in the in the drafts, probably one of the better ones since like I think comparisons have been like Clay Thompson, um, as 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 far as shooting level, um, just kind of just getting him open, just hit that corner three, just when just you know spark the shooting spree, is kind of what Ricky Rubio will do for the Phoenix Suns. Um, I think um it was obvious that um James Jones had a focus and was it was shooting. Um, shooting in a little bit of defense, uh, shooting definitely we have upgraded substantially with, I mean, Ricky Rubio, I mean, obviously not the best shooter, Cam Johnson, Ty Jerome, Dario Sarge, you can kind of stretch the floor, I mean, not the best, Aaron Baines, who's kind of like a stretch five, um, and is sent in Boston, but like obviously not needing him to hit, uh, every three out imaginable, Frank Kaminsky also kind of stretching the floor a little bit. And kind of getting rid of what um, Josh Jackson, who hasn't been the best shooter, and Anthony Middleton, obviously, who wasn't the best either. 
Right. I absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that was one of the things that the Suns wanted to improve on without a doubt in the offseason. That's clearly apparent um, with the additions. Um, I think that um, Devin Booker has never been a bad shooter. Of course, he, he's going to continue to thrive. Mikhail Bridges will continue to thrive, hopefully shooting. Um, and like you said, Cameron, uh, Cameron Johnson specifically coming out of the draft, but also Ty Jerome um, and Aaron Baines and DeAndre Ayton. Um, hopefully can both uh, all improve in their shooting, but also are decent. And like you said, in the power forward position, both of them are known um, as someone that can, uh, as as people that can stretch the floor, um, Dario and Frank. Um, I wouldn't call them by any means elite shooters, but they definitely have shown um, their potential uh, from both behind the arc um, and, then, and in the mid-range. So I think that's really important for us as a team to improve on. Uh, this is a game that we see increasingly more and more shooting, especially from the perimeter, of course. And these players are just someone that can, uh, that are without a doubt um, an improvement from last season. Uh, and I think that that's the biggest thing for us is, uh, is Dario Saric, um, uh, you know, a championship uh, caliber starting power forward? Maybe, maybe not. But at least he can be a uh, starting caliber uh, power forward, someone that can stretch a for someone that can shoot and is most definitely an improvement from last season. Um, so although there was, of course, and maybe we'll get into this a little later, but um, of course there was uh, questions about how we acquired these players um, in the trades and moves in which we got them. But I think overall um, I, I, I consider it a win, maybe not a major win, but something that's definitely going to improve this sense going forward. Definitely. And it's not like we're, we're expecting to be a playoff contender um, right off the bat after 19 win season obviously we wanted to win more than 19 games last season after especially adding the number one pick DeAndre in but like just kind of just moving out of me- mediocrity of, of the of what the Suns have been the past couple seasons um they show they're showing promise and I think that's kind of like we got to we got to get uh, take what we get at this point <laughs> as Phoenix Suns fan is yeah exactly tough. and you know, yeah. a lot of like what uh what you know the Suns fans have been talking about online whether that's on Twitter or whatnot is that um, along the lines of you see some excitement of course you see some pessimism but I think that um, that's just coming from the fact that you know it's the Suns fan base coming from uh, fans that have probably not have the best not probably like actually had some of the worst seasons um, in the last two specifically the last four seasons Um, we've not been looking good and that's just an obvious statement. And I, I don't think it's bad to be excited about something like this in which we are actually showing improvement, actually showing that we have NBA quality players that can play every night. You know, we're not going to immediately jump to a 40 win team or a 50 win team without a doubt. But I think at some point we need to start making improvements because we've been slipping um, for the past several seasons. And especially when you have someone like Devin Booker, who you want to continue to be happy. You, you have someone like DeAndre Aiden and Mikhail Bridges who you want to continue to be part of your young core. Um, it's really important to make these, uh, at least show that you're making the effort from the front office, from James Jones. You're making the effort to surround them with players that you need to be successful at an NBA level. You can't go into a season without a starting caliber point guard um, and expect, especially in a pretty guard-dominated game now, um, expect to do well. It's just not going to happen. And I think that uh, with starting guards, both Rubio and Booker, we will be uh, not the best duo uh, in the league, but definitely starting uh, starting five quality. And I think that's the most exciting part 
is that we are uh, moving into an era where we'll at least have um, pretty good players put out on the floor, and that's exciting on its own. So I think that for that reason, uh, I'm excited moving forward. And so I think for that, um, moving on just to the overall of the Suns offseason, um, we see a lot of outlets um, giving the Suns either like Zach Lowe <laughs> from ESPN giving us a loser rating loser and rating. Yahoo Spo- Sports giving us an F. What right. do you think about that and the uh, offseason overall as a whole? Um, if I remember correctly, I think the only other team to get an F rating from Yahoo Sports was the Charlotte Hornets, and they right. lost they lost their best player in, in Kemba and, Walker. And and replaced him with Terry Rozier, who's Terry a Rozier. streaky player, and who they're even paying more than we're paying, uh, paying Rubio. So, I mean, exactly. I don't know about that. Just from that standpoint, it's insane that we're on that same level of having an F. Like, come on, guys. That's just mean. You guys are just bullying us. I mean, we've already gone through a lot. But I, with this audition, I mean, obviously there was some really upsetting moves, I, I would say, in the draft. Um, or not upsetting, but more like head-scratching. Um, with right. moving down to the 11th pick. And and as much as I, I would love to see Cam Johnson ball out and go off, and I think he will. I think he'll have a great season. I think he'll fit well with the Phoenix Suns. It's just... It was. There's no denying it was a stretch in a pick. Um, a guy who's projected to go what 20 in the mid to late 20s, going at 11, was a tougher pill to swallow. Definitely on draft night, especially when I was like sitting in the arena and just like just pure confusion and um, kind of frustration in the stands. Uh, yeah, um, I think Ty Jerome was a good pickup. Um, obviously, a lot of Suns fans wanted to see Brandon Clark to pair up with DeAndre In, but. I don't know. Future's bright. I don't think we deserve that F rating. Obviously, also giving away TJ Warren in a second round pick for cash considerations was a little tough. Definitely needed to see him go as he maybe didn't really fit the Suns' future. But yeah. Right. And I think, like, kind of like you alluded to, um, you know, there there is reason to believe that the Suns didn't have the best offseason. There's no doubt we didn't hit a home run. We're not an A plus rating team for this offseason. Um, we're definitely not as lucky or as good at managing in the past several years as the Clippers or the Nets in setting up what a monster free agency they had and offseason they had. But I think, um, and of course, there is reason to concern for concern about the moves that we made. And I think that's uh, mainly what Zach Lowe specifically was talking about in his rating and giving the Suns a loser rating um, was the moves that we made in the offseason. So I guess kind of to bring those up, specifically the trades that we made to get rid of TJ Warren and Josh Jackson. So, of course, uh, this is something that we've been dealing with for, you know, well over a week now. Um, yeah. For uh, for many, for at least the TJ Warren trade, uh, but specifically the uh, Josh Jackson trade is a little earlier, a little uh, more recent, uh, rather, but um, definitely not optimal trades. Um, a lot of people are saying that we kind of got um, robbed for uh, for TJ Warren, for Josh Jackson. <laughs> uh, for me, I would say um, a lot of people disagree with me, but I'd say that the most head-scratching, the most painful um, trade was the TJ uh, Warren trade in that we got very little uh, back for him. And he was a good player for us. <laughs> right. I mean, he literally got nothing. We, he was cash. potentially the, the, the second best player, especially going into 
um, last season on the roster. Um, great score, proven score. I think that without a doubt, he's going to be a good piece. Um, Obviously, his biggest forward. Being injuries, but right, and, and that was the biggest issue for us in the latter half of the season. Um, but I think that he's he's a proven scorer. He's a he's a guy that uh, can play well. I wish him nothing but the best, and I think that it was especially painful considering that he's on a good contract. I mean, there's no doubt. Like, of course, this was yeah. a this was largely a uh, a dump of the contract, trying to get out from under it um, to move on to to other things in free agency. Um, and the and with the rest of the offseason, but it was just kind of painful to see him go in that we got very little value from him. And I think that was a major complaint with the Suns and why we don't deserve a good rating in the, this offseason. I'm not petitioning us for us to get a, an A or a B rating, but I truly believe that uh, we our biggest our biggest problem, of course, was our asset man- management, um, our dealing of both TJ Warren and Josh Jackson. I think that they're players that just didn't look like they were going to be a part of the future of the Suns moving forward. Yeah. I think TJ Warren could have had a place. Um, but in my mind, I think to touch on the Josh Jackson trade, I think a lot of people, uh, I was kind of confused when I, when I saw it because Josh Jackson is someone that the Suns fans or a lot of Suns fans have been calling for to be moved um, specifically because of his issues, both off on the court. court and off the court. Especially off um, the court. <laughs> and especially off the court. And, uh, you know, I was not sad, like a lot of Suns fans, to see him go, but I was amazed to see um, in some of the Twitter and uh, Instagram comments um, coming afterwards, after the announcement of the trade, they were talking about, oh, the Suns were robbed, you know, they're giving away Josh Jackson for nothing, the number one, you know, the number four overall pick just a couple of years ago. And I don't know if they truly, like, understand what it's been like to have Josh Jackson on our team for the past several years. Right. I mean, he's someone that, like I said, have, has had on-court struggles. He's shown flashes. He's a, freak, a freakishly athletic guy. He's someone that can shoot a little, um, but defense. he just lacks – he can play defense. Um, he just lacks touch. He never really fit super well on the team. I think that he is someone that has the potential to burn the Suns. You know, we may look back, and he may absolutely just kill it. Um, uh, moving forward, I, that's always been a possibility. He is always someone that's had a lot of potential. And maybe a change of scenery from Phoenix um, will do him well. A different coaching staff, a different system, a different city, a different look will treat him well, and he'll just blossom. Um, but I think that the main thing was he just had no future as a Phoenix Suns. He wasn't someone that we wanted to continue to pay on his contract uh, for what he was giving us. And he was just quite simply, as a Suns fan, he was just a headache especially for off-the-court issues. He wasn't someone that was a good influence on the team. He wasn't someone that really increased the chemistry of the team by any means. Um, and I am not sad at all to see him go. Of course, people are saying, um, not even just about giving up Josh Jackson, but for what we gave up and what we got in return, giving the two second-round picks, in addition to DeAnthony Melton, for essentially... Um, Javon, Javon Carter, Carter. Uh, yeah, right, Josh. because we're going to be giving up, and, and right, and we'll, and I mean, we're, and we're, we're waving Corver. Right. Um, so essentially, we we did. I mean, on paper, there's without a doubt we got robbed. Um, and even, I mean, I say on paper, but also off paper. I mean, like on the court, um, with the with the playing ability of the players that we got, we we re- we really did didn't do well. It wasn't great uh, asset management. That's an obvious statement. Um, in that we're getting almost nothing in return. But I think that it wasn't as bad as some people were 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 making it out to be specifically because we got out from under Josh Jackson. 
And in the position we are as a team, we're going to have to make at times these type of trades to get out from 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 picks and players that we probably shouldn't have made. Right. Uh, of course, at the time he looked great, but um, it's just someone that's that's a price you pay. They know we're trying to get off these contracts. These teams know they know that they can um, they can get better value out of us because of the situation we're in, and that's that's pretty painful. But at the end of the day, um, it's how it is. Um, it's a hard pill to swallow for the TJ Warren and Josh Jackson trades, but I, I'm happy that we're moving on. Uh, and I wish the best for Josh and TJ. I think that a change of scenery will do well for both of them. Of course, um, they've only played for the Suns for both of their uh, careers uh, so far. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's tough, but um, and it's the only it's one of the main reasons why we did get such bad ratings. Um, I just wish the asset management would have been a little better. But at the end of the day, we got out from contracts that we didn't want, and we made room for the the moves that we were talking about earlier, like uh, Rubio, uh, Baines, and Sarich. So it's a it's give and take for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. I think what this was was just the price we had to pay, just kind of just transition to the new era of of James Jones' vision after the whole Ryan McDonough fiasco um, and tenure. Uh, but yeah, honestly, like, yeah, that's the price we have to pay. Like, it, it's tough, it's tough, but, like, I, it's, it was inevitable at this point. Um, getting rid of Josh Jackson, obviously, off-court issues were, it was not a good thing. But kind of, I mean, we kind of see what we wanted in Josh Jackson, in Kelly Oubre, playing defense, good culture, athletic, um, can score the wall. So, honestly, I'm happy. Right, and can play defense as well, right? Right. I mean, yeah, I... I'm, you know, we're moving forward. I think once we got rid of Josh Jackson, it was apparent that we were going to almost entirely apparent that we were going to re-sign Kelly Oubre. Um, and of course we did uh, yesterday. And it's just, it, it is something that um, I'm happy about. We're moving uh, forward and progressing. And it's, it's, it's going to be the same on this off season. It's hard. I just, I guess as like a, as like a closing note to that. It, I just found it amusing that so many people um, saw Josh Jackson as a better player than I guess we see him as. You know, they're like, oh, number four overall pick, um, gave him away for almost nothing. You know, he's actually really good. You know, like suddenly everyone seems like they know what Josh Jackson is like on the on the court. But uh, I don't know if they I don't know if any of those people commenting those things um, have watched much Suns basketball um, in the past couple seasons. He has potential, like I said, but he just wasn't. I don't think he had much potential to progress in Phoenix. And I think it was a good move for both players without it, both uh, sides of the, of the, uh, of the trade being both the Suns and uh, Josh Jackson, uh, as well as um, of course, Memphis, Memphis getting a good player. Um, so I don't know. It's a mixed bag. Um, it's, it's a hard pill to swallow, but at the same time um, we're moving forward, which is good. Yeah. Um, you want to transition towards summer league. Um, someone we haven't really talked much about is Jalen the Q. Um, obviously undrafted, signing into a four-year deal. I mean, he's playing well in summer league. Um, he's had definitely his shining moments. I haven't been able to watch too much of it. I know Matt, you've been watching a good amount of summer league games. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think watched um the first and the third game. Um. I've watched mostly uh, all of it. Um, 
I think, uh, yeah, we look okay, of course, going into Summer League. Um, I don't know if many fans were excited. We had, of course, the um, when the roster was released, it was kind of uh, odd to see. Not very many familiar names. Uh, of course, we had um, Akobo. Oh, we, yeah. had, uh, we had Race Balding, who we saw a little bit of towards the end of last season. Not to mention uh, Jalen LeCue, who we haven't seen much of course because um he's coming off of just mainly playing or just playing in high school and aau um someone that took an interesting route by not going to college um to play college ball um, but rather signing this deal with the suns which was of course interesting from the suns perspective uh signing a four-year deal to someone who went undrafted um is not necessarily uh, uh common practice but i'd say that um uh, based off what we've seen so far in the summer league it's been um pretty exciting to see um, he hasn't been putting out any like super fantastic um, stat lines um, against the Knicks. Uh, you know, he played 15 minutes, uh, scored six points, uh, got a total of uh, four rebounds and two assists, um, and pretty similar stat lines uh, through the other two games. Um, his most successful being uh, this last one that we played yesterday against the Spurs, um, in which he played uh, 20 minutes or. Yeah, he played 20 minutes, uh, scored 14 points, uh, zero rebounds and two assists. Um, He looked a little bit better. Um, He looked like someone that was pretty efficient scoring. uh, And I think most importantly, um, we're just seeing flashes from him. I mean, we're seeing someone that does have potential. We're seeing that does have the absolute athletic ability, of course, um, with uh, great vertical, great speed. But uh, we knew that going in. You know, he was going to be someone with with a super uh, good vertical, uh, great speed, uh, but you know we've really been surprised. Uh, some fans watching him play, um, his ability to um, shoot a little bit, uh, not to mention play defense. Uh, he's someone that does look like he has a pretty good basketball IQ. He does make the right plays. Um, I know they were talking on the uh, the commentators were talking about uh, in an interview with Monty Williams yesterday. Um, of course, they were talking about. Uh, they were asking Monty about him, and Monty was just saying that you know I talked to him before this game, and I just wanted. Um, him to know that he doesn't always have to make the home run play, right? That he, he needs to make the solid play um, going into it. And he doesn't have to make that flashy dunk, um, doesn't have to make that um, super crazy layup to uh, to prove that he's a good player. You know, we're just looking for him to be someone that can shoot well, that can get to the rim, that can dunk, but also someone that can facilitate um, for others. We saw that yesterday with a couple of really nice assists. He made the right decision and fast breaks. Um, and at the end of the, at the end of the game, he did do a good job closing out, drawing a file, foul in the, in the closing seconds of the game and, and, and closing the game for us against the Spurs, uh, which is of course always uh, a attribute that we like someone that can close a game. So he just you know he did he's doing well in summer league. Of course, summer league is um, not by no something means. That you, yeah by no means right uh, a uh, indicator a real, of a yeah. real indicator of how they're going to do in the NBA, um, but sometimes it can be. Um, you know, we see someone like R.J. Barrett who's struggling, but we know for a fact that maybe not for a fact, but we know uh, we have a pretty good idea that he's at least going to be a solid player in the NBA. He's someone with the ability to, and yet at the same time, he's not playing um, lights out. Uh, but we know that he probably does have a brighter uh, future than someone like uh, an Elliot Cobo or Jalen Lacuse. You never know. You never know in Suns League. Um, they may, um, you know, surprise us. But just a few more takeaways. I'd say that um ellie has played well um he's right. he's proven that maybe he's uh kind of what we've seen we've seen you know a good amount of him in this past season we know that he's not a starting caliber 
um, point guard in the league by any means, but he certainly has potential. Who knows what Okobo's uh, future looks like with his sons, especially with the acquisition of Carter um, in the trade for Josh Jackson and DeAnthony Melton. Um, there was a lot, there was a, you know, for the past couple of days, we really don't know. Um, it looked going into summer league, like it was possible we were going to trade uh, him or and try to see if we could get any value for him. But, um, at this rate, uh, he's still on the roster, still looking like he's going to be someone that can play some minutes for us. Um, and I'm okay with that. Of course, also, um, and you can, I think, talk a little bit about this too, in that we've seen some solid play from, uh, Ray Spalding, also some like a James Palmer Jr. has showed a little promise, but we'll see. But yeah, I mean, like Ray Spalding, like you said, um, he's been showing some promise, been able to like just absolute some beautiful dimes I've seen him use, and he's playing aggressive, um, you know, uh, absolute fiend on defense, blocking right. shots. Great I mean, he's not a, he's not so on the far. NBA roster right now. He's not signed. He is a free agent. Um, he's definitely someone who played with the Suns off a ten year con- a ten day contract, excuse me, um, and then finished the rest of the season. But hopefully, we bring him back as maybe like a third third string maybe put him in a two-way contract with the G League but also with LeCue it's it's not someone we have to rush on because we have him for four years we can develop his game it's it's not much of a risk for us because I mean what he's gonna um, four years to develop kind of there's no pressure on him we have Ricky Rubio we don't have to have him like rushing to be the next point guard of our future um but I mean obviously we hope for him to turn out to be a great point guard of our future but there's definitely no rush or pressure, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he um, He's someone, he's only 19 years old. We'll see how he goes. Um, of course, the Suns of fans have been talking a lot about him. Who knows what he's going to end up being. We're just going to have to see. He's going to have to play a couple of years, um, whatever, whether that's a G League or whatnot, or he has a two-way, you know what I mean, if we see a little bit of him um, at the NBA level in the coming years. But um, he's someone, like you said, doesn't need to um, develop like develop immediately to play, be a starting caliber point guard by any means. Um, he's someone that can take some time to develop. We show that we really believe in him in this four-year contract. We show that um, you know we want to help him, want to want to see him do well, and I think he will. He's of course has great potential, and I think the good news is, um, uh, yeah, he just he has great potential. He's six four, um, can can absolutely jump out of the gym. And uh, I'm excited to see to follow him where he goes in the future. Um, and I guess kind of like closing on the summer league, um, another really uh, impressive uh, performance has been with Jared Harper. I think everyone knew going in um, from his time at Auburn that he's someone that uh, can play really well, can get to the rim, can pass. Um, but he, yeah, he's really he's really uh, shown he's really done well for us. Um, of course, the biggest reason why uh, a lot of people were not having him high on his draft board on their draft boards and the reason why he ultimately went undrafted primarily is because of his height at 5'11". Um, you know, there have definitely been people at 5'11 and even shorter that have had successful careers in the league. So you never know how uh, Harper will uh, turn out. But at the same time, um, it's just been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch him um, play with the team, um, fun to see him shoot, uh, facilitate um and just his intensity that he plays with has been something that people have noticed all the way from his college days. So another exciting thing, but overall fun summer league has gone pretty well. Uh, as good as you can hope we're two and one <laughs> without um, our two picks. Uh-huh. Right. Exactly. Which was of course a weird move. Uh, not everyone's doing it, but 
I can understand, you know, where we want them to know. We want people to know that they're going to actually be someone that we are, that are going to have rotation minutes that are going to play a part in our team going forward. Um, and there's someone that, uh, you know, we, we maybe may not need to see, uh, maybe the front office may not need to see what they look like in the summer league. Uh, but at the same time, it would be very fun to see, um, them play just to see what they can do just to right. see how they can play um and of course the painful part of that is just uh how the how the deadlines work how the the draft trades end up happening um how they weren't able to practice weren't able to be a part of the suns until what was it, the 6th of july um and that's yeah. i don't know it's it's painful if if only uh that that would have been different if only that process could be quicker um and we can get on the team a little quicker so that they can start practicing, so that they can be a part of the team. But at the end of the day, um, you know, we we do want them to be a big part of this team. We don't want them to be injured. We think, I guess, we think we've seen enough of them, or at least the front <laughs> office thinks that. So, um, I don't know. It'll just be. It'll make it even more exciting and more uh, interesting to watch them play in the in the in the opening the games of the season. See how they play. Right. Definitely. And kind of transitioning from the mini Westbrook in uh, what has been referred to Jalen LeCue. Um, we've had some pretty big news um, tonight with Russell Westbrook, of course, getting traded to the Houston Rockets um, <laughs> and kind of just giving up on the whole Westbrook experiment with Paul George, obviously going to right. the Clippers to join Kawhi. Um, it's crazy. Um, I think I remember seeing like six of the 15 of all NBA teams, guys have changed teams this season or this off season, which is insane. Uh, right, we have, absolutely crazy. Yeah, insane. I mean, yeah, of course the Westbrook move um, wasn't the biggest, you know, the most high profile move of this off season. Um, but at the same time, it was it was something that you know we saw coming after the Paul George uh, move, which was we definitely didn't see the Paul George move, coming, but. <laughs> Um, the Russell Westbrook something was uh, move was something was kind of that inevitable. Kind of saw, right, yeah. I think the Rockets. Um, of course, there were reports for a long time that uh, coming off the season that um, they were looking to make changes. They knew that, um, unlike in this kind of in the same way of OKC, in that they knew that um, they, they weren't, weren't going to win consistent. Right, they weren't going to win with that squad. Um, OKC was making consistent um, first round exits. The Rockets were doing a little better, of course, making it to the conference finals several times, uh, but uh, but just falling short. Uh, specifically, I mean, that's that's probably more to do with the Warriors. But at the end of the day, I think that they improved as a team, right? I mean, I I think that's oh, uh, yeah. a little bit. I, I, I'm least, really uh, high in Russell in, in ability, right? In, yeah. in ability, without a doubt, they improved. Russell is someone that, of course, can do uh is known literally everything. for literally everything known for doing a lot on the court uh in his in averaging triple doubles in the last couple seasons but of course the biggest question is going to be how uh they will play on the court uh them being um russell westbrook and uh james harden of course we've seen him on the court before but it's a different time and a different place so we'll see how that goes um if they can somehow figure it out which i think that there's a high prob- probability they will whether that's ball handling or, or shooting um, or simply just playing a little less selfless. I think a l- both of them can uh, do that a little more. I think that, uh, uh, sorry, a little bit more, a little less selfishly, more selflessly. I think that that would really be good for the 
the the Rockets overall, and I think um, they're looking good. Uh, I think uh, just like everyone in the West, not everyone, but a lot of teams that they they improved. Uh, we didn't know if they would, um, but they certainly did with it. Not uh, not immensely, not the most by by any means. Um, especially when you look at teams like the Clippers and the the Lakers. But at the same time, they had a with this move, they had an okay offseason. Uh, and OKC is essentially punting, right? They're they're saying goodbye to the Russell Westbrook era. Right. They're saying goodbye to the the um, of, of course, the a whole uh, Russell Westbrook, um, Katie, James Harden era is officially over. Uh, it's been over for a while, but now that they've lost all of the pieces, they've lost Paul George. Um, but of course, their front office knows what they're doing. Hopefully with a lot of these um, picks, um, although many of them, uh, like uh, we were talking about earlier, are protected. Uh, many of them are. This- coming. I think literally all of them coming from Houston are protected in some way, right? Uh, which is insane. But they, I mean, they have... Whatever Sam Presti's doing, I don't know. I kind of got to trust him. Like he right. obviously his drafting um, experience in the past with the three three straight like MVPs in uh, KD, Harden, and and Russ, but also with great pickups in Serge Ibaka, Stephen Adams, stuff like that. I mean, with this yeah. insane amount of draft picks that they got from Paul George and Russell Westbrook, something Sam Presti has to be cooking up something. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Without a he doubt, a and especially with this Paul George trade, it's a pain to lose uh, someone like Paul George, someone that is coming off just a fantastic season, um, is such an asset on the offensive and defensive end, um, without a doubt. Just like in the um, Anthony Davis trade, maybe almost to a little bit of a lesser extent, or arguably uh, similarly, um, the OKC definitely got a haul um, for him. Um, in the acquiring yeah. of Shea Gilgis Alexander, who is, of course, a, a really exciting young player to watch, and Danilo Gallinari, who uh, is a great shooter, great player so far um, from what we've seen uh, on the clip on the Clippers. So, um, and of course, a record-breaking, a uh, pretty much uh, hall of picks. Um, they're looking to the future. Um, we're going to see that OKC is probably going to end up being a team um, that's go- maybe replaced in the playoffs. Um, by someone like the Lakers, yeah. uh, who have who have improved in the offseason. Who knows? But we've seen weirder things. Who knows? Maybe with these picks, um, or these pickups that they've gotten from the Clippers, uh, like I said, and Shea Gilgis and Gallinari, maybe they're going to be a team that can uh, piece it together. But um, yeah, they'll win some games. They're not going to collapse. But I mean, they're coming off 49 win season, um, and that's <sighs> a great season without a doubt. Uh, they're ended with a six seed. So who knows what's going to happen. It's definitely going to be interesting to see. Um, I think both Kawhi and Paul George, they kind of like matched up the length of their uh, contract with Kawhi signing a three-year, $103 million deal with a third year being a player option. I think Paul George has the same sort of like format. So it's going to be interesting if maybe they're they're not happy by the end of those two years. Those guys kind of get frustrated and just kind of leave. Um, <laughs> the Clippers are kind of screwed in that sense like because the Thunder have all of their picks for like the next... I don't know, seven years. So that's yeah, kind of interesting absolutely. to see. I, I, it's going to be like, I guess, in a way, almost um, kind of wrapping it up uh, or coming towards an end. I think yeah. um, it's going to be a really fun season to watch across the board uh, in the Western Conference and in the Eastern Conference. We're talking about teams that just got a lot better, teams that made marginal improvements, teams that are just going to be straight up interesting to watch, uh, specifically teams like. Um, the Nuggets, like the Rockets, 
um, like the Jazz, uh, teams that have really improved, teams that are, are showing promise. And, of course, the whole Battle of L.A. Um, is going to be great watching the Western Conference. Um, all the teams that improved, uh, like the 76ers and the Pacers and the Nets, of course, are going to be really fun to watch uh, in the Eastern Conference. And um, I, I do think we're seeing a sense of parity in the league. Um, yeah, we haven't seen it in the last several years. I think that that's it's definitely no not a Warriors dominated league. Yeah. yeah, no, it's not. A, yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, of course, people have been talking about it for for a while now, since the end of the finals, that the Warriors are going to um, definitely see a drop off. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's no secret, but um, it definitely makes the Western Conference a lot more interesting, especially with Kawhi going ball, to the Clippers. Really. Right. Uh, right. I mean, a lot of people have been talking like talk specifically when Kawhi was traded to the to the Clippers that it makes it a lot of a lot more interesting in that there are many really good teams um, in the Jazz, in the Clippers, in the Lakers, in the uh, Nuggets, in the Jazz. They're and the Phoenix really Suns. Good. Oh, wait. <laughs> and the Phoenix Suns, uh, playoff contenders. Uh, obviously. Mark my words. Uh, obviously, we don't see that. This coming season. Yeah. <laughs> right. But so, no, I it's going to be exciting to watch the Suns. I remember to see Ricky yes. Rubio run the point and it's just kind of just... Right, especially especially as Suns fans, it's going to be really exciting to watch. Um, and I think that that's the biggest thing is that with so many moves, um, we don't know exactly what we're going to expect. Some of them are more natural fits, um, kind of like a Rubio in my mind. Uh, we've seen him in similar situations in the past. Um, uh, but at the same time, a lot of them are going to be interesting uh, to watch. So I, we don't know what to expect. There can be surprising moves. Um, but overall... Uh, been an, an, an exciting all season to be an NBA fan without a doubt all right so kind of wrap this up Matt can you give us the top two teams coming out of the east and west in the NBA finals next Oof. season? way too early um oh, way yeah. too early I hope I hope someone clips this and, and comes back but um I think that uh someone like the Raptors are someone that are going to be knocked out of that conversation in the east at least in my mind for the top two teams they're still gonna be a really good team without a doubt coming as uh, ch- as champions off of the season, but I think uh, in my mind, um, one of the top one of without a doubt in my mind, uh, one of the top teams is the 76ers. Um, lost someone in Jimmy Butler that I guess they didn't really love to, but at the same time they had some good pickups um, along the, the lines Horford. of Al Horford. Right. Um, so I think that in my mind, uh, top two includes the 76ers. Um, I would say that. The Bucks, even though they have lost um, a couple key pieces, especially in Malcolm Brogdon, uh, are going to be interesting to watch. Who knows if they'll get the same success? But I don't think that a team that wins 60 wins, uh, you know, last year is going to suddenly drop off. So I'd say the top two teams for me coming out of the Eastern Conference are the 76ers and the Bucks. Um, but uh, qualify that at the same time, I'd say that the most exciting team, uh, just right below that for me, is going to be the. Uh, Pacers, just because I really like the the moves that they made. I think that they got better uh, as a whole, um, as a team, and of course, um, they have T.J. Warren, which is the missing piece, of course. Twenty so. buckets, of course, yes. So yeah, and the so West, dude. The West. I don't know. It's so hard to pick. I mean, it's so hard. Utah, to pick. Utah just made like made some great moves this offseason. A big right. winner in in um, what they did with Mike Conley and uh, was it one of Bogdanovich? Right. Uh, without oh. a doubt, um, you you like teams like that, but of course at the same time, how can the you big bet name against guys. someone like the big name guys like the Lakers? How can the you Clippers. not put Lakers in that conversation? Um, I would say, at least for me, uh, I'd be interested to see what you have to say about these conferences. But I think for me, coming out of the Western Conference, 
Um, I would say way too early. I would put the Clippers at one of the top two spots. Uh, and then I really don't know. I would say possibly, I would say um, the Jazz. Um, but of okay. course, uh, quick runners, runners up without a doubt. Like I said, how can you uh, bet against the Lakers in that they have absolute superstar talent um, in AD and uh, LeBron and of course have pieces that um, have things to prove like a DeMarcus Cousins who's been a superstar or, or at least a star in the past. Um, and then also teams like the Rockets who really haven't changed, have shown great promise. 53 one season. 53 Rockets haven't traded. Right. And, and <laughs> well, well, of course, they have <laughs> trade, but like, but I mean, like, not yeah. possibly. I mean, right, right. They're uh, pretty much the same starting lineup, uh, just uh, with the addition of uh, yeah, Westbrook in for Chris Paul, which uh, will certainly be interesting to, to watch. You can't count the Warriors out completely. Um, you can't count no. the Nuggets. Obviously, out we don't either. see them. Yeah. Right. Oh, the Nuggets, dude. Nuggets are such a sleeper. I think. Honestly, if if I was gonna pick the number one seed out of just like um, standings alone, I don't think the Clippers and the Lakers are gonna be making a massive push in the regular season. Obviously, with like more resting, as resting has been like such a common theme with like LeBron James and Kawhi yeah. Leonard this these past few seasons. Right, especially because of the injury to any of those players, the right. AD, LeBron, Kawhi, or Paul George could be catastrophic for the individual teams. But yeah. So yeah, um, and obviously Demarcus Cousins coming off the Achilles, we don't know. We don't know how he's gonna um, pan out for them. But if I were to pick one, I'd definitely pick either to be the number one seed, either the Jazz or the Nuggets, and then having. But but like obviously this doesn't like in the playoffs. I actually see um, probably one of the LA teams or Houston kind of like running away with it. Right. It's gonna be definitely gonna be a tough fought series either way. Like tough fought conference, insane. Um, of course, the Suns are in the Pacific Division, which faces the Lakers, the Clippers, <laughs> the Lakers and the Clippers, who have obviously have um, substantially upgraded their team, as well as the, the Kings. As well so, as the Kings, not to mention, of course, the Warriors are obviously. And the Warriors, the, oh yeah. So with uh, adding D'Angelo Russell, <laughs> adding D'Lo, you know, not going to be as good with the loss of Kadian and Clay. Clay. Not to mention Iguodala, but uh, I mean. Some decent pickups in Collie Stein uh, and, D- and D'Lo, but uh, we'll definitely see. Can't count them out. But like you said, really tough division. It'll be fun to watch. But uh, just as the Suns improved, which we talked about a lot um, during this time, so did everyone else. So yeah. I don't know. It's a big I think question. That's it for us today. Um, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to the first ever episode of the It's Not Always Sunny podcast. I am Rodolfo Leverisa. And I'm Matthew Scheller. And we are signing off. Thank, thank you. You just got finished listening to the It's Not Always Sunny podcast. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to share the podcast with your friends. If you want to contact us, please follow us on Twitter at rlove0509 and at Matt underscore Scheller. If you have any comments, suggestions, questions, or topics you would like us to cover in the future. Once again, Thank you so much for listening and have a good one.